You're listening to the Soul Source Podcast. I'm your host, Raquel Amel. Soul Source exists to share stories that are shaping our world today. We go straight to the source of information to give you the best insights on topics and show you what's being done about those issues as well as ways that you can help to make a difference. We're bringing you experts in healthcare, gender issues, race relations, climate concerns, cultural shifts, and so much more. So buckle up, Soul Source Society, because we're about to get started. Every time throughout American history, we've come out better and stronger for all. And so if we have the right lens through this process, wow, um, the breakdown, we get to choose which pieces we're going to put back and what this new world is going to look like. Hey there, I'm Raquel Amel, and I am so excited to talk with you today because we are having an awesome conversation with someone who is really talking about a topic that's impacting all of us. We're in a very formative time right now with COVID-19 and this post-pandemic, current pandemic world that we're living in and the impact that this has on all of us. And so Jessica Stallings Holder is here and she is talking with us about generations. She's a national speaker, a published author, founder of Regenerations, which is a company on a mission to connect generations and build a better future. Jessica, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, well, hi, Raquel. It's such an honor to be with you today, and I'm so looking forward to our conversation. I am really excited to dig into this. We've got some really, really interesting stuff to talk about. But the first thing is just what is a generational speaker? What is it exactly that you do? You mean you don't stay up all night dreaming and dreaming about <laughs> intergenerational communication strategies. Um, Raquel, welcome to my weird world. I study generational trends. So when we talk about generations, we're looking at the social and cultural um, influences that impact a group of people as they're coming of age. Now, this is often confused with life stage, which is similar but different than generation. Think of them as like cousins. So what we know about generations is those cultural influences that impact them as they're coming of age is that they're enduring and they follow us throughout all of our different decades of life. But what life stage is, it's kind of like, you know, as we go throughout our different decades, our priorities are going to shift and change and ebb and flow, which is a really good thing. That's a sign of growth and development. So maybe I'm going to have a different perspective when I'm a parent of a teen than a teen, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Right. If not, we have Freaky Friday. But what we found Uh generational influences, those enduring influences, is that they follow us. So for example, someone who grew up in the Great Depression time period, where slogans like, waste not, want not, save for a rainy day, when those were the norm, we often see that this generation values financial prudence and stewardship throughout all the different decades of their life. And that's why this conversation is important to understand. Now recall what it's not about, not about stereotyping or saying, if you are this generation, you have this 3.5 qualities, not at all. It's simply one among many lenses to better understand, communicate, and connect with others. And I think that's important to make because even though we're talking generations, it's not like, it's not a one, two size fits all. There's, there's obviously going to be some differences there. Oh yeah. You know, it's a lot like looking at trees in the forest, right? And every tree is different and unique and awesome. And they grew up in similar soil with similar exposure to sunlight and rainfall say we can take away some big ideas about those trees and that's all we're going to do today with generations is step back and say hmm are there things that we can understand and how can that understanding bring us together to drive a better future yeah and when we talk about generations we're in this unique time period right now you talked about the great depression and how that was formative 
this is pretty formative. Can you talk a little bit about this time that we're in right now and, and what this means for the different generations? Oh, Raquel, if you've asked any question, that is the question to be thinking about right now. And it's, it's fascinating that you brought it back to the Great Depression. And when we bookend this conversation, we are going to see a story that comes kind of in this full, full circle. So backing all that we talked about today is this theory called generational theory. What it says is that each generation kind of overcompensates for perceived lacks when they were growing up. As a result, you get these kind of generational personas that come and repeat themselves throughout history. So it gives us a lens to look back on time and to begin to anticipate where things may be going. So it goes a little something like this. Let's uh, say you get a really optimistic generation. Sky's the limit. Well, what do you think we see then coming after that from a generational personality perspective? Everything can't stay awesome forever. Exactly. Man, everything is not awesome. Life is not all butterflies and rainbows. It's tough out there. And so we typically see a very uh, skeptical generation, a little bit more independent. After that, we see a generation of peacemakers, harmonizers who can reconcile that life is both beautiful and broken. And with that, we can make peace. With that foundation of peace, we typically see a generation of, of makers, these many makers and the creators. They build awesome things. And so then guess what happens? Those things are going to get broken down, I bet. Yeah, right? So, so then, then we look at what we build. It's awesome. Not that awesome. Well, I've seen better. Oh, can't we all get along? Let's try this again. So what's interesting about what we're sitting in right now, it is an epic, epic time. It's called a fourth turning. So it's kind of that in the four cycles that repeat, this is the last cycle, to your point, it's the breakdown cycle. It's called the crisis cycle, only comes every 80 to 90 years. And it's a time of chaos, complexity, confusion. Typically, some major event comes in and wreaks havoc. So we've been looking at this and, you know, the estimate that was sometime between 2015 and 2025, there was going to be some massive upheaval. So this is COVID-19 for sure. And it is where our traditional models and modes, because of this thing, began to deconstruct and rebuild from the ground up. And so this, if you think about it in season terms, this is winter before our spring, and this is the breakdown before the breakthrough. Now in the middle of it, we have the opportunity to ask, what are we going to build? How can it be better? And how can we do it together? And the good news story I'm here to share today is that every time throughout American history, we've come out better and stronger for all. And so if we have the right lens, through this process, Raquel, wow, um, the breakdown, we get to choose which pieces we're gonna put back and what this new world is gonna look like. So we're in the middle of a total societal reorder and we all have an opportunity to come together and, and create what we want it to be. So interesting. So what are the generations that we have out in the world right now? Oh, great, great, great question. So we've got a lot more than we have in the past, right? And so a couple of reasons why life expectancy rates are much larger now. And so now when we look, for example, I, I look at generations in society, but I really focus on in the workplace. So for the first time in history, we have up to five generations potentially in the workplace in society six-ish, I guess you could say. As we study generations, I, I say ish a lot because it's an area of social science. And when you look, you could go Google Raquel, uh, traditionalist generation, for example, also known as the silent generation. They're 75 years old or older today. The, the generational experts have essentially broken down how they study generations by the cultural moments. So you maybe won't find the same um, naming convention or age brackets, but they should be, be pretty similar. So if we start kind of with our, our elders, we have the traditionalist generation, often also known as the silent generation. 
generation. This is the World War II Great Depression, roughly 75 years and older. Next, we have the baby boomer generation. They're roughly 56 to 74 years old. Um, man, a fun fact, there was a baby born every 17 minutes for 20 years. Very oh much. Oh, my goodness. They make sense. The baby boom. Um, oh, man, they saw a lot growing up. Raquel Watergate, Woodstock, Kent State, Vietnam, Kennedy assassinations, man on the moon, civil rights movement, feminist movement, lots of movements. Um, coming after them is Generation X. They're roughly 40 to 55 years old today. They saw a lot of things fail. They're also part of the baby bust. So a much smaller generations. Um, this is a generation that saw the Berlin Wall International Space Station Challenger disaster. Coming after them is a generation you've probably heard a lot about, the millennial generation, mm -hmm. as Gen Y, Gen Y, emerging adults, extended adolescents, um, America's largest living generation, the largest generation in the workforce who grew up with Columbine, Y2K, thank goodness we made it through that, right? And probably mm -hmm. the most defining moment of this generation, 9-11. Um, also a generation who started getting access to technology, and that became a way to, to communicate with their world. Uh, finally, Gen Z. Um, some may also call this generation iGen. They are roughly 8 to 23 years old. Um, this is the generation that was impacted, the, the, the older ones, by Great Recession, uh, increasing diversity. They're the most diverse generation in U.S. history. The first generation of digital natives, meaning Raquel, since they were infants, they came out of the womb with access to technology. So it's, it's, it's their native language. But we've been watching, what is this generation's defining moment going to be? Because we simply haven't had it. And then COVID-19 happened. And that is the defining moment for America's rising generation. Now coming after them, so these are going to be the, the babies that are springing up. Pre-COVID-19, many were saying Generation Alpha, right? Because X, Y, Z, back to A. Um, but now I'm seeing a lot um, online in light of COVID-19 calling them Generation C because this, this COVID is going to be a, a real marker in did you come into the world pre or post, much like we talk about pre and post 9-11. So out of all of these different generations then, who do you think is impacted the most right now by COVID-19 or who will be impacted the most? It's a wonderful question, right? Um, when we really look at it, we're all impacted by it. And, and, and first, let me say, um, man, my heart goes out to those lives um, who have been impacted by COVID. I just wanted to extend my heart, heartfelt um, sympathy to those who've lost lives and family members and extreme gratitude for those who are out fighting on the front lines. When we take a, a stare, um, I'm sorry, a layer back from that, all generations have been impacted in different ways, but who's going to be impacted the most is going to be Generation Z. Now, why is that? When we study generations, we look backwards to lead forwards. We look at their formative years, Raquel, their, their teens and kind of those childhood years as their identities are forming. And so this is this major event that is happening is, is impacting them a lot more than it would someone who's already ex experienced are one or two recessions, a world war, a depression. Um, it, it's a challenge, but it's not when they're forming in those sensitive years. So what we're really looking at now is um, how is COVID-19 impacting Generation Z? And what is it like to grow up in a time period where you are quarantined, where masks to go out, where your schools may be canceled or your, your graduation, um, and you're entering, uh, ready to enter a workforce that is probably going to have the highest unemployment rates we've seen in years. 
So that's what we're really looking at. And to that point too, I mean, when you talk about the highest unemployment rates, how is the economic impact going to affect this generation? And I'm going to relate it to millennials because I'm a millennial, I'm 29. And I know that like, as I was coming out of high school, we had the great recession in 2008 and it was hard to find jobs. It was hard to just try to make it on your own. And there was delayed home buying and all of these things. And so this is even bigger than that. So how does this impact Generation Z on an economic level? Yes. And, you know, I'm going to, since you're my millennial friend, by the way, I'm a millennial. (laughs) So I'm uh, many, uh, actually in a a workshop recently, I had a client say, now you're kind of like a geriatric millennial. And I said, well, yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or what, but it's true. So I want to look at the younger millennials and Gen Z, the older Gen Z, and that's where we're going to see the most significant economic impact we're felt. Because when you think about it, like you said, uh, many of the younger millennials, um, when you go to school, you work hard, and then you come out over half of of that generation as as that 2008 time period um, hit were unemployed or underemployed. And what the research shows is when you start below, you know, at your salary level, it is very hard to, to catch up. So we've got younger millennials who started with hardship, and now we've got older Gen Z who are starting with hardship. So when you look and compare where they are today versus generations at the same age of time periods past, millennials and Gen Z are starting way behind previous generations. And so it's kind of like starting out your young adult life with not a lot of access to funds that you need. And when you think about it, they're not going to be eligible for the stimulus checks that are, are going out, um, not going to be eligible for a lot of jobs. And so right mm-hmm. now, the economic impact is hitting millennials the hardest and Gen Z as they're going into the workforce, uh, particularly among minorities. And when you, you talk about the millennials, you talked about the younger ones, but I, f- I feel like that's almost a double whammy for that generation. Yeah, absolutely. So if we were to say who the most, it's it's the youngest millennials, because within a short time period, you get hit by the Great Recession and now COVID-19. Um, I mean, think about that. It's one of the most, you know, they say your most defining moments are all happening by, almost before you turn 30. And so you're kind of starting a lot of those things behind, particularly for younger millennials who've seen what's called um, delayed adulthood. Um, uh, and that's where, you know, kind of waiting to get married and to buy homes and to kind of settle down or some of the traditional rites of passage of generations in the past. So it's very fascinating to see. And what I would encourage all of our listeners is that we have a huge opportunity to really mentor and help and pull support around um, America's rising generations um, to teach financial literacy, to be there to mentor, to help when it's got to feel incredibly disillusioning to um, enter this world right now. And, and how can we come around? Because I believe that is not only an obligation, but it's an honor. And we should be helping each generation so that we get better and stronger from generation to generation. I agree. And when we talk about getting stronger, I mean, we're always looking toward the future. And so there is that younger generation that we're still figuring out what we want to call them. And how does this impact? A lot of them are um, children of older millennials right now are the ones having most of the of the the young ones and so what kind of an impact does this have on those older millennials and then their children that they're raising because it'll impact the way that they would raise them I would think oh yes and you know it's, it's fascinating isn't it to think about these things and so I always take a step back and say well first you know we don't we don't really know a lot of these things we're saying okay this is what we think or here's some cues from the past but 
I would lean on generational theory a little bit to say, um, you know, think about each generation overcompensates from perceived lacks. And then you've got these major world events happening, kind of overlaying. I love generational theory authors. They said, generations shape history and history shapes generations. So both of these things are happening that, that you know, we're kind of overcompensating, becoming our own strong persona, and all these major events are happening that are also shaping that. So when you look mm-hmm. back, let's look back a little bit. Traditionalists, um, they grew up in a time period where children were seen but not heard, right? That was kind of the child rearing thing, that if uh, something bad was happening in our family, we just kind of sweep it under the rug. Uh, well, yeah. they rebelled against that, right? They're like, you know, I want to I want to talk to my kids. I, I want just because I was an, my parents were an accountant, my grandparents were an accountant, I, I don't want to just go be an accountant or make my kid be. So I want to ask, what do you want and how are you specially gifted? So boomers were um, influenced a lot by the Dr. Spock child rearing methodology of you are special, right? And you are different and you are unique. And so boomers have a very, they're, they're often called the helicopter parents. And so Gen X, as we've seen them parent and they're parenting, by the way, Gen Z, Gen X's whole life has been alternative pathways, right? They they kind of tried to follow the patterns of their, their baby boomer elders and it didn't work out for them, right? Things really fell apart. And so they're open to alternative paths. When they came into the workplace, nobody was pausing to celebrate or pop any confetti for them, right? So they're kind of like the generation of hard knocks and they're saying, we don't want our kids to go through the world getting trophies for things they didn't participate in. They need to learn that you can fail and that it's going to be tough. So we see a boomerang in how Generation X has parented a little bit more like we are, we love you, we're here for you, but you got to learn how to deal with that bad performance review. Now, millennials, again, remember they're, they're doing a lot of the traditional rites of passage later, like parenting. So we're just trying to get some data in. In the past couple of years, millennials have become the largest chunk of parents. And so pre-COVID, we were starting to see a lot of um, a very much like they are in the workplace, a very um, family dynamic where um, we're all in this together. We're going to decide together, almost like a, a network type of, of child rearing with mm-hmm. COVID impact on their economic outlook. That's going to, I think, play a tremendous role in, in how they parent. It'll be really interesting to see because, you know, millennials grew up so over-programmed and, um, you know, on their way to soccer practice, they're in the minivan, reciting their spelling bee, playing the Game Boy, have done so many times. I wonder with COVID and back to the basics and some of the money, you know, removed, if this will swing us back to the basics. I, I find that so interesting. And I, I often find myself wondering, do, because I think of technology all the time. And I think of us prior to this, it was people were on their phones. You could be in the same room with somebody, you would be on your cell phone with that person in the room. And so are you really there sort of a thing? And now we're using technology so much to connect because we can't physically be together. So I can't help but wonder if things will, like you said, swing and we'll be more connected with people when we're in the room with them as a result of this. One theory is, right, we're going to miss, like, I have missed my people. I've missed, you know, I'm a teacher, so all my events are on hold. And, oh, I've missed, I've missed being out and shaking hands. And um, so there's that side. And the other side is, well, you know, now we've become a little more accustomed to technology and how we can do this and we can do it quicker and faster. I'm wondering, will we come out on the other side of this more balanced? Yeah, I'd be so interested to find out because it's an interesting thing to talk about. And another thing that could shift too is mental health and 
because there's so much talk about mental health right now and just checking in on people and seeing how they're doing. And I, I just, I wonder like what, what will happen with that topic right now? Will we change that stigma when we come out of COVID-19 quarantine? <laughs> you know, I, I really hope so. Um, and, and I think it's a huge conversation to be having because the reality is even in the quarantine and in the isolation, I mean, we're not designed to do life alone. We need one another and we need community. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm hopeful that this will drive a lot more of those conversations, but, but also the tools, right? You know, we hear a lot about all of these things, but what are some of the tools to thrive? So many of the partnerships I've done, um, particularly with Gen Z, because when we look generationally speaking, um, for the first, I mean, this is pre-COVID stuff, um, for the first time in a very long time, we're seeing among young people, um, depression, anxiety, loneliness on the rise, life satisfaction decreasing, and for the first time in decades, suicide rates, unfortunately, on the rise with the next generation. When they go back and they pinpoint, like, why is this happening? What, what, is, what is going on to cause this trend? Um, they go back and look, Raquel, longitudinally. So they go back to overtime studies to see how is Gen Z different than boomers when they were in their teens versus Xers and millennials? And about and, and when did the spike happen? And they started seeing the spike right about the time period that you know iPhones and technology started to really gain saturation. So not that that is the only thing, but probably one of the one of the big things that has caused this this isolation. Um, lots of different reasons, but um, that's something I would say is important for us to think about in this quarantine to make sure that we're not just having the the online, but also having the interpersonal. Um, how to stay connected, um, hashtag IRL in real life after this. So, um, and that, that's another thought of caution as we think about the generational stories and, and personalities is that think about it for Gen Z, they're already starting um, at a lower threshold with the mental health front. So then you layer coronavirus on top of it and they're gonna be highly susceptible um, to, to need some help and some tools and resources. So. I would say let's drive the conversation and let's drive tools to help us all as we cope through the, this significant change. And I'm curious too, because this is such a, a big change, what was the last generation that had a change of this magnitude? Well, you know, we could, could go back and say almost every generation has had something major, right? This is um, 9-11 was it for millennials. I mean, it was the thing. And and, and, and when you look at it, and by, by the way, there, there's often con confusion between millennials and Gen Z. Part of the marker that we know separates the two is 9-11, because when Gen Z doesn't remember a world pre-9-11, so they grew up in this world. And I think we're going to have the same thing, R Raquel, with COVID-19, pre and post corona. Yep. And so each generation has kind of had one of those major things for extras that was, oh, it was a challenge or disaster. Their teachers are they're sitting around watching and they see this thing explode. Um, boomers, probably Kennedy assassination, and traditionalists, uh, they, they go between World War II and Great Depression. So I would say that every generation has this epic point. I think this one feels extra significant, and I think that's the overlay of fourth turning. It is the thing that breaks down all the others and then gives us the ability to say, what are we going to choose to create as we go forward? Yeah. And I know one of the things that um, 
the older generations. I know for sure the baby boomers and Gen X have been struggling with this a little bit and figuring it out is technology. And I say this speaking from, I have conversations with my mom and she's Gen X and she is, um, she's learning how to do Google meetings and zoom meetings for the first time with her coworkers. And, you know, um, she is going to the store and instead of going physically into the store, which is what she's used to doing, she is ordering online and asking me questions on how to do this. And it's stuff you don't think about, but it's stuff they're learning for the first time in a lot of situations. And how does that impact the, how does this impact the older generations having to do all of that? Yeah. Wonderful question. You know, all generations have been forced to adapt and we're seeing significant behavior change in all generations. So you're right, um, particularly for our boomer and traditionalist friends, um, the technology piece, they are not digital natives, meaning, um, man, they have seen tremendous change in how we utilize technology and communicate with one another. Even think about it uh, for our boomer friends who always gone to work, you know, and had a physical place and space and now they're remote working well, what do we do? And how do we dress? And how do we connect? And do I need to be, you know, and what is this new etiquette? This is like a whole new world for our boomer. It is, you know, much like it is for our, you know, Gen Z friends who are always on tech and they're coming into a non-tech world. It can feel like, whoa, I'm in a new land. And so that's when we're looking (laughs) at generations. I mean, we're looking at cultural cohorts is what we're looking at. So, so for boomers, what I think we're going to see on the other side of this is a lot more comfort over time with technology. Like you said, ordering mm-hmm. groceries, maybe doing a Zoom call. Um, so maybe um, it's adding that more into the mix. So it's fundamentally has forced them to shift a behavior that may have been a little harder to do uh, pre-COVID-19. Uh, with our Xer friends, we're also seeing, you know, Xers are 51% of the global population. We never talk about them, though. You know, they're the smaller mm-hmm. In, in the generational story, they're I, they're like the the middle child, and I don't know if anyone listening is a middle child, but it's kind of like, hey, we've got the scrapbook of our first child, and and then the middle one's like, uh, did I exist? Do I is there <laughs> Gen X? Like, do, do I even have a scrapbook? Um, and so what we're seeing with them as they're a lot more comfortable with technology and remote working, but it's given them time, and they're in midlife to say huh, am I happy? Is this the legacy I want to leave? And we're also seeing them play the role of bridger between boomers and millennials and some of the conflict that's happening there. Um, mm-hmm. With the major shift is, uh, is in a perspective. Um, and again, these are a lot more life stage related than generational. But in the past, a lot of millennials, it was a lot about the purpose and, and the meaning. And right now, due to everything you said, Raquel, the, the, the financial situation, we're seeing a lot more focus on stability and and Xers, I'm very curious to find out. I've been hosting, I'm sorry, at Generation Z, have been hosting listening sessions and getting ready to do a, a pulse survey to see how this major pandemic is in, impacting them in real time because this will be the headline that they tell their kids about in the future. So um, for sure we'll, we're seeing it impact um, many other views, particularly in regards to higher education. Um, and in many ways, I think it will, I think the pandemic will affirm many of Gen Z's kind of pre-held beliefs before the virus came. And so talking about Gen Z, there's one thing I, I do want to ask you. And I, I bring this up because I heard it in the headlines when COVID-19 started. And as a millennial, it was driving me nuts. <laughs> it was the, the fact that they kept saying the millennials were the ones that were out doing spring break and on the beaches. And can you first off explain just 
some of the, the differences there and what was actually going on and maybe explain why there was some confusion? Yes. You know, um, so it actually was Gen Z. So every, every headline I saw, oh, we're having some demographic confusion. Um, and, and naturally so. We've been talking about millennials. I, I, I tell you, I'm probably 10 or 15 years in. So in the work I do, I'm always kind of looking ahead at what's coming and saying, hello, pay attention. Things are changing. And this is not just a life stage thing. This is a whole new way of seeing. So millennials, because of their size, I mean, massively large generation, we started looking at these trends and they think differently. They're wired differently. It makes a ton of sense to understand the world they grew up in. But we, we kind of hyper-focus, and, and we can talk about that if you'd like on kind of what, what, what's gone on with millennials. But um, in generational theory, also take a step back, and there's always, of the four cycles, there's always two dominant generations, and there's always two recessive. The two dominant, surprisingly, are boomers and their kids, millennials. And then the recessive are Gen X and Gen Z. So we've got that we've got a more dominant, large generation came into the workplace um, just really asking questions and making their mark. Um, Gen Z is coming in a little bit more quietly um, with a little bit less grandiose than millennials. So what a lot of groups have missed is that we've had a whole demographic change. So when it comes to, I was working with a government entity who wanted to understand it, one of their target uh, service groups. And, oh, I thought that's not millennials, that's Gen Z, same in, in mm -hmm. education. So the main thing when you think about the differentiator um, is 9-11. Is so Gen Z grew up in a world where they, they don't remember 9-11. It's just the post-world that they grew up in. Um, I am curious too, uh, with the millennials, I know that they came in, you talk about, you know, this big shift coming into the workplace. And that was one of the things that they did is they came in and they had this whole new perspective of work-life balance and putting home life a little higher priority than work life. And so that's forced companies to shift a little bit because there wasn't like that solid allegiance that previous generations had had. And now Again, um, there's this happening where companies are forced to work remote and adjust things that way. Do you think, I mean, millennials are still, you said the largest part of the workforce. So was this going to be another shift involving them as well as just the world? And, and are they changing the workforce again? Um, yes. You know, I think probably coronavirus is helping move forward what millennials have been advocating for a while. Um, and so I think it will, will help kind of make that cause a little bit easier. I think there's something we often miss, and that's a tremendous opportunity called reverse mentoring. And that means we can learn from those who are rising up. You know, we, we've in the past talked about mentoring as a one-way thing and that we, we just learn from our elders, which is true. And we can all learn from each other. So when we look at things like technology and remote working, um, younger generations are going to be a little bit more natural. Um, at it because it's what they know. It's how they grew up. I'm an older millennial and I can tell you, I'm so behind my sister who's on the younger side, just because uh, I didn't really get technology till high school. I, I got on Ask Jeeves things and signed into AOL and I had mail. So, I mean, it's a different world, right? So yeah, what, what we know, um, Raquel, is that change rises. And so when we start to look at where things are going, we want to look at emerging generations because they're going to help drive it forward. So again, mm -hmm. in things I'm seeing in generational trends, I feel like COVID-19 is just reinforcing and, and maybe even forcing. <laughs> For sure. And that the generational shift, Generation Z, 
is so good with technology. I mean, they're, I know there's, there's like the TikTok boom right now and all these things, and, and they're just so good with it. I need help still. And um, I'm just curious too, is that a way to be communicating with that younger generation? Because I do think when this first started, um, and I'm sure some of this is just, you know, life stage as well. But when this first started, I think the younger generation was a little more like taking it lassadaisical and not so serious. And I think they're starting to get the seriousness of it now. But even when we go back to normal, normal is not going to be normal because we will be living in a post-pandemic world. What is the best way to interact with those younger generations to help help make sure that they're taking this as seriously as everybody else? Yeah, sure. So to the point of um, taking the pandemic seriously, I'd like to talk to that first, if I could, Raquel. Um, you know, we yeah. see headlines, and you know, in the world of news, if it bleeds, it leads, right? And and in the world of oh, gender of relations, um, oh man, we dwell on the conflict, right? When in the reality, mm-hmm. we have much more in common, and and that's really what we found with this response to COVID nineteen is that you know we saw a lot of headlines about the spring breakers misidentified as millennials, and then we're seeing all these headlines of finger pointing at the boomers because they're breaking bad and hoarding all the toilet paper, right? Well, the study, <laughs> study has come in and, and looked at these, these five different polls have looked at how each generation is responding to COVID-19, as well as how, how much are they taking into account social distancing and how much are they kind of following the guidelines. And what they found is there's, there's no difference across generational lines of how we're responding to. So just to clear that up a little bit. That's good. What, what I found in kind of paralleling to the workplace is that often we're all after the same thing, um, but our styles are different. So I often say like if each generation were a Nike brand, boomers would maybe be just do it. Xers would be why do it. Millennials would be, oh, just did it. And Gen Z is going to say, oh, we just disrupted it. Right. So I think that's what we're seeing in this is like we're all on the same mission. We're going towards the same thing, but often those things are kind of fragmented out. So um, to communicate with um, Gen Z, I think first we have to understand and meet them where they are. I mean, and that requires listening and it requires empathy. When you think about it for this generation in a time period where they are forming their home, they're wearing masks, putting on gloves if they go to the store, which is probably not happening. Their sporting events have been canceled. Maybe their prom has been canceled. They may have worked really hard and not able to walk across that graduation stage. I mean, yeah. is, I mean, it gives me chills thinking about if I had experienced that, what would it be like? So I think we've got to pause, really listen to them and seek to understand what they're walking out and then helping to provide for them where they are and meet them where they are. And so that can be just being their friend, listening, connecting, checking on them, um, working with influencers. So, you know, they're, they're very much the YouTube influencer, um, internet famous generation. So really kind of putting a lot of support from all the channels around them. Um, the final thing I would say about that and, and where I think this generational story just always comes full circle is that there's also the opportunity to mentor them. Because as we're looking at, wow, Gen Z and millennials can really offer a lot of the, the tech savvy and, and share that up. At the same time, you know, millennials and particularly Gen Z are really struggling with mental wellness. They're starting out their young adult lives in, in a really hard situation. Well, those who've gone before us, they've been through hard times too. Can they share what they went through and how they made it through? Um, you know, for the next generation, um, financial literacy, well, they, they can help. Um, so I think 
even down to Gen Z's, you know, when, when you overcorrect on one side, like technology, you can maybe lose a little bit of the emotional intelligence or interpersonal communication. Well, when you yeah. look at our elders, oh, they're so good at that. So that's where this comes full circle is that we can all learn from one another and we all have something to offer as we together create our quote unquote new normal. And I love this idea of togetherness because I really do feel that this pandemic is kind of the great equalizer. It's not discriminating based on generation or age. It is anybody can get it and it can take anybody down. And so given that, what is the one unifying thing that you think brings all of the generations together right now? Oh yeah, we're all going through the same thing, right? Um, we're all um, experiencing, it's, it's impacting us in different ways, right? So I believe the message is don't get stuck on, oh, this is impacting me in this way. The reality is it's impacting all of us. No one is immune from what's happening. So rather than going into our silos or isolating, let's come together. Let's share stories of encouragement, um, wisdom, lessons learned. I believe this could actually be the crack that helps us come back together. And, and, and that is my hope for this whole thing is that, but, but we'll choose what we want this to be. We won't just take the things that aren't working, that we'll actually say, what do we choose to take forward and how can we bring our best together to make that happen? Yeah. Jessica, I am so glad you were on today. I learned so much. I definitely know I'm going to want to talk with you again in the future because this is ongoing and there will always be new generations. So there will always be things to talk about. Oh, listen, I appreciate this opportunity so much. Thanks for all you do, the difference that you all are making in these wild times. And and thank you for covering this important topic. Agreed. And if anyone wants to learn more about generations or how to communicate amongst each other, how can they get a hold of you? Absolutely. So check out my website. It's re-generations with an S dot O-R-G. And I've got all kinds of informations and blogs and articles. Um, you can also find my book, Regenerate. And it, you can order that on Amazon. It's Regenerate with Jessica Stallings. And um, I tell you what, Raquel, i got a lot of really cool stuff coming out. We'll be putting out a survey on how COVID-19 is impacting Gen Z. Um, if anyone wants to take part in it, I can also share the link for your listeners. We will get that link from you and it will definitely be posted with this video. If people want to participate in that study, I, I highly recommend it. It is only going to help us get better accurate information. So thank you, Jessica, so much. And we'll talk again in the future for sure. I look forward to that. Thank you. If you're not subscribed to Soul Source yet, what are you waiting for? You can find us on major apps where podcasts are hosted, including Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Go on and give us a review and also subscribe to our show. Share the show with a friend if there's something you like. And if there's something you want us to talk about, just let us know. You can find us on our Facebook page called The Soul Source Society. It's our secret Facebook page that we interact with listeners on. Share special content only seen in that group. Talk about shows, get ideas for future podcasts. And overall, we just have a good time. That's Soul Source Society on Facebook. We hope to see you there. Soul Source is brought to you by Red Shoes Inc., a leading agency specializing in crisis and strategic communications, media relations, social media, and so much more. To learn more about Soul Source and Red Shoes, visit us at redshoesinc.com.